Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Newton podcast. This podcast seeks to share the truth of God's Word through the sermons and other teachings of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope these episodes will be a blessing to you and your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. So, before I begin, I just want to say thank you, because as I was in New Orleans this week and I was around thousands of other pastors, there were pastors there, if you can believe it, that were not looking forward to go back to their churches. They just weren't. They didn't want to go back. They had a break, and not just a break as in rest, but they had a break from a lot of hardship and struggles. And so I want to say thank you that I was looking forward to coming back to our church, to being with you again, to opening up the word with you again, to singing with you again. And it's always a joy for me to do that. So I just want to say thank you for that because that is not always the case for every pastor. Um, So, yeah, amen. Now, to the text. Um, This morning may be a little different. Um, I have, like a good Southern Baptist that was brought up, I have three points, but I also have three applications for those points, so you're really getting six things, and at the end, we're going to put them into practice. We're not just going to talk about it this morning. We're not just going to say, hey, that's a good idea. We're going to do it, okay? So just be ready when the time comes for us to actually respond in the moment to the word. All right, are we all ready for that later? Maybe. I'm not sure yet. All right, so Acts chapter 12, we're going to read all of the text. So Not all of chapter 12, but 1 to 19. We're going to read all of it, and then we're going to go from there, okay? So bear with me, it's a little longer. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So when he went out and followed, he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. 
She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. This morning, here's the main points. The stakes are high here in the text, but they needed to remember who their God was, and we need to remember who our God is. He is the God who hears, He is the God who acts, and He is the God who does above and beyond what we could ask or think. That's what we see in the text this morning. I don't think the main point is that God rescued Peter. I think the main point is that the people knew Peter was in real and imminent danger. And what they did was pray to the God who hears, who acts, and who does above and beyond what we could think or imagine. So this morning, we need to know that. We need to see that here. The stakes are are high, but we must remember who our God is. He is the God who hears. Again, the, the, the beginning of this text in chapter 12, what do we see just happen? James is executed. He's martyred because he's a part of the church. Herod executes him, and Peter is in prison and likely going to experience the same exact thing. He is in danger. His brother in Christ just martyred, just murdered because he is a Christian. And now Peter is awaiting trial and likely the same outcome. Herod killing James sees it pleases the people. They're excited. Yes, finally, someone is doing something about these Christians. Finally, someone is silencing them. And next is Peter, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, of all the Christians alive at the time. He's next. We're going to get rid of him. The stakes are high. He is on his way to the same fate as James. And what is the first thing that the church does? They pray. And they pray fervently. They're together. They know Peter is in prison, about to be executed, and they are praying fervently because they know who their God is. He is a God who hears. Throughout Acts so far, we've seen them at key moments praying, and what does God do? He hears and He acts. They're praying at the beginning of Acts in chapter 1. Jesus just tells them, hey, stay here because you need the Spirit before you go. And so what do they do? Do they just sit around twiddling their thumbs? No, they're praying. God, send your Spirit. Send Him on us so we can go and do what you've called us to do. And God hears and He answers. They're praying for boldness. They've just been persecuted and beaten and they're leaving joyful 
And then they start praying, God, give us boldness to speak the word of God. And he does. He hears and he responds and he shakes the foundations of where they're at. And this is no different. They know who their God is. They remember who he is. He's a God who hears his people when they pray. And they needed him to hear. And so they pray, God, help Peter, be with Peter, rescue Peter. Fervently praying. But he's not only the God who hears, he's the God who acts. He carries out his will. He he acts when his people pray. They're praying fervently. Peter's in prison. He's chained. He's guarded by 16 soldiers. And they're praying, God, be with Peter. Help Peter rescue him from this. And he does. He answers. He acts. He hears and he acts. That's what we see in verses 6 to 12. This is God responding to the prayers of his people. He's about to bring Peter out for trial. That very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers. Peter, likely at this point, had accepted what's going to happen to him. But the people didn't. They were praying. While the sentries in front of the door were guarding the prison, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. A light shone in the cell. The presence of God was coming into the situation. I love this part. The angel strikes Peter on the side. Have you ever been woken up in a way that was just not so pleasant? A kid runs in and just jumps on you mid-sleep. It's not very fun, but that's what the angel does here. Strikes Peter on the side. Peter, wake up. Get up. Quick. And what happens after he gets up? The chains magically, not really magically, in God's providence fall off. God is answering taking away any stumbling block, any roadblock to rescuing Peter. The chains just fall off. No key needed. He gets up. The chains fall off. The angel tells him, get dressed. Put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And Peter's doing this and he's doing this and he's like, this surely isn't really happening. I'm not really doing these things. I'm seeing a vision. And remember, that's not uncommon. Peter just saw a vision in chapter 10. He saw the sheet descend and the animals on it. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. He's thinking, okay, that's what's happening here. Nope, this is really happening, Peter. Follow me, the angel tells him. So he goes out and and he's still confused. He thinks he's seeing a vision. And after he passed the first and then the second guards, and I just want to know, how are you walking past these guards right now? They're likely not asleep because we know what's going to happen to them at the end. This is a serious deal guarding the prison. So God is just blinding their eyes to the reality that's happening. Just walk on by. Walking out of the prison. He walks by the first and the second guard. He walks up to the iron gate, and here is the first automatic door that we see in history. (laughs) They walk up to the gate, and it opens by itself. No censor, just God. Here you go. Just like he parted the Red Sea. Just walk on out, Peter. Come on, keep up. 
You're really doing this. And he walks out and he passes one street. And then the, suddenly the angel left him and Peter's like, wait a minute. Maybe this is really happening. He says, now I know for certain that the Lord sent his angel and he's rescued me. God has rescued me from Herod's grasp. He's rescued me from all that the Jewish people were hoping for and expecting. Me to be like James and dead on the side of the street. It's really happening. And he realizes this and he goes to where the people were meeting. To Mary's house where they were together praying. And they were praying for Peter. And God answered. He heard and he acts. Peter is free. He's rescued. And so he goes to the place where he, know they, he knows they are. And here's, here's the really amazing and funny thing, if we're honest. God is not only the God who hears. He's not only the God who acts. He's the one who does above and beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. And we see that right here. Verse 9 and 11, Peter doesn't really think it's happening. And then in 12 to 17, the believers that are praying for Peter's rescue have Peter come and knock at the door, knock at the gate, and they're like, no way is he there. There is not a chance that's really Peter out there. Because look, Rhoda goes to the door and she's like, that's Peter's voice. I know his voice. And so she doesn't even open the gate for him. She just leaves him. She's so excited. God heard. God answered. And she goes to the people and she tells them, Peter is outside. Stop lying, Rhoda. Come on. This is a serious time. We're praying to God for Peter here. We're waiting for God to act. And you're trying to mess around and tell us Peter's outside. Quit it. He's not really there. She's insisting, no, Peter is outside. He is there. God has answered. God has heard our prayers, and he is here. You're out of your mind, Rhoda. That's what they told her. You are insane. You're out of your mind. Maybe it's his angel. That's a whole other discussion in how they may have gotten that theologically wrong. But there's just no way, they think. There is no way. But Peter kept knocking. Hello, I just escaped prison. Let me in, please. Keeps knocking. And they opened the door. And they saw him. And they were amazed. They were amazed. Why were they amazed? They were praying for that, weren't they? They were praying, God, be with Peter. Rescue Peter. Peter, all right, here he is. No way. Peter, how are you here? This is amazing. They couldn't even imagine this really happening. But he did. He did it. He listened because the God that they know, the God that we know, not only hears, not only acts, he does above and beyond what we could ask or think. And that's what happens here. I don't know exactly what they were praying for. Maybe they were just saying, God, change Herod's heart. God, just just do something. Something. But they were not thinking likely, you're going to rescue Peter from 16 guards with two chains on his wrist, waiting trial. You're not going to do that. Surely you're not. 
That's what he did. He did above and beyond what they could ask or think, and they were amazed at it, and rightfully so. Because when God... All right. Maybe that was his amen. I don't know. Never had that happen before. But they were learning who their God is. They knew some. They knew he heard their prayers. They knew he acted. But they didn't quite understand that he can do anything he wants to do. He can do as he pleases. And that's what he does. He rescues Peter in the most unlikely way. And he knocks on the door, and they're amazed. And and he's like, Peter's like, hey, I'm escaping prison. Let's be a little quieter, please. He, he tells them everything that had happened. He tells them that the angel come in, that he struck his side, that he woke me up, that the chains just fell off. I walked by guards that their only job was to make sure that I stayed in that cell. I just walked right on by. And when I came to that gate that was likely locked, it just opened. No one touched it. No one did anything. It just opened. He tells them all that. And then he goes and he says, tell this to James and the brothers. And he goes to another place, which is smart, because where are the guards likely going to search for him? Where the people are. But he goes to another place. Even Herod is going to learn that this God is unlike any other. At daylight, there's a great commotion. Where is Peter? Where is he at? So Herod searched for him, did not find him. He interrogated the guards. Maybe they're in on it. Maybe they let him out. No, it wasn't them. He has them executed. Next week, we're going to see what happens to Herod. But this week, Herod was learning who this God is. Just like the disciples were learning who this God is and how great and powerful he is. The stakes were high. The church prayed to the one who hears, the one who acts, and what they learned, the one who does whatever he pleases above and beyond what they could ask or think. Church, the stakes are high for us as well. The stakes are high, just like they were then. Maybe we're not in prison, but the stakes are high for the lost around the world. Their life is in the balance, just like Peter's. We need to remember who our God is. And the first thing we ought to do is what they did, go to him in prayer. And we are going to do that, but let me finish first. We need to go to him in prayer. This week while in New Orleans, I heard a lot of fantastic preachers and a lot of great sermons, but one of them in particular, there was something that was said that just pierced me to the heart. This is what he said. The preacher asked, if God saved Everyone you prayed for to be saved in the last week, how many new Christians would be added to the kingdom? How many? 
When I heard that, my heart sank. Not many, if I'm honest. Not enough. Stung. Especially when you read Jesus' words in John 14 where he says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How many times this week have you prayed for someone to be saved? Not enough, I would imagine. If that's true, what Jesus says there is true, which I believe it to be, what could be more glorifying to the Father than His people, His church, asking Him to save the lost by the power of the gospel and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ? Too often, I believe, we don't see God move. We don't see Him act because we aren't asking Him to move. We aren't asking Him to move through us and in us to those around us. We're fine with just coming to church on a Sunday. We're fine with coming to church on a Wednesday. We're fine with having our personal quiet time. We're fine with having a prayer time in the morning or in the evening. We shouldn't be fine with settling for that. We ought to be praying, God, seek and save the lost. So let that not be said from this moment on about anyone here that we aren't praying enough for the lost, that we aren't praying enough for God to act. Let us instead ask God to ignite our stubborn hearts with passion once again for the lost so that we would be faithful in doing what he's called us to do, proclaiming the gospel to the nations starting here in Newton. Let us ask God to breathe new life into those around us through our proclamation of the gospel because it's Him who saves. It's not us. So let's ask Him to do that. Ask God to do all of this even if it's in a way that we don't expect or can't imagine like He did for this group praying in Acts. We need to remember who our God is and we need to go to Him in prayer and then we do need to expect Him to act. We can't just pray and think that's enough. We expectantly pray. That's how we're called to pray. Believe it. Believe that it's going to happen. So we remember who our God is, the God who hears and we go to him in prayer. We remember who our God is, the God who acts, and we expect him to act. Church, God is going to accomplish his mission. It's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Amen. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that's exactly what he did. But then he passed it on to us, the church. At the beginning of Acts, that's what he's doing. Right before he ascends into heaven, he says, I'm going to give you my spirit so that you will be my witnesses throughout Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That includes us today. We have his spirit. We are called to go to the ends of the earth, being his witnesses, proclaiming his gospel, expecting God to act through our faithfulness. So we pray and we expect God to act and we ought to expect Him to do so through us. Do you expect God is going to use you? 
Because if you seek to be faithful to Him, He will use you. Even if it's in a way that we would have never imagined, we didn't think to ask Him to do, God is smart enough to figure it out. If, even if we asked for the wrong thing, or maybe not the exact thing. They were praying, God, rescue Peter. God, rescue him. I don't know how you're going to do that, but then God did it. He figured it out. God will do that here, now, today. God did above and beyond what they could have imagined. Believe that he will. So church, when we pray to God to act and to save a person, let's be amazed, sure, like the church is here, but let's not be shocked. Let's not be surprised because that's who our God is. Even when it's in the life of a person that we could hardly believe that they believe now. Even when it's on our very doorstep like it happened to them. God saved who? Who? Saul? The one killing Christians, putting them in prison? God saved who? That person that's been addicted to drugs for years? That person? That person who for their whole life rejected the gospel, didn't want anything to do with the church, but found Jesus after they had a cancer diagnosis? God saved them? God saved that lifelong atheist who with their last breaths called on Jesus to save them from their sins. Because God can do it. So let's not be surprised. Sure, let's be amazed, but let's not be surprised. What about that family member who has not talked to you in years because you tried to tell them the gospel? Don't give up. God can still save them. There are so many times that there are stories of people who've prayed for their husband or wife or their brother or sister or their aunt, uncle, father, mother, whoever it may be, for years that they would believe, that they would see the light of the gospel. And for years, nothing happened. But then one random Thursday, random to us, not random to God, that person called them and said, hey, I need you to tell me about Jesus. Because God was working He heard the prayers. And yes, it was in a way that they didn't expect or imagine, but he did it. He acted. He still does that today. That person who's lived a life celebrating sin, living as far from God's ways as possible, but now heard the gospel one more time, repented of their sins, and wants to follow Jesus with their whole life. The most unlikely person, God can do it. So don't quit praying for them. Don't quit praying for God to act. Don't give up. Because our God is a God who hears, who acts, and he can do above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. That's what we see here in the church in Acts. And let's praise him when he does those things. Let's praise him. Let's not just let the moment pass by. Let's praise him for doing what only he can do because God alone is the one who saves. He merely allows us the privilege and joy of being witnesses of him and his work. So he alone gets the praise and the glory each time a lost soul is given life in Jesus' name. But we get to celebrate with the angels in heaven when he does. 
Now's the time where we get to respond to this, where we actually get to do this. Because there's a danger after a sermon like this, or any sermon really, to merely just think about it. Or to maybe even desire to start living in in line of it, in line with the text, or in line with what God has revealed. That we just desire it, we think about it, we think that's a neat thing, that's cool, we should probably do that, but then we never get around to doing it. So I don't want us to do that this morning. I don't want us to merely talk about it or think about it. I want us to begin to be serious about it, about doing this. So that's what we're going to do. Because the stakes are high. They're high. People are dying every day without knowing Jesus. Dying and going to hell. There is no question about that reality in the scriptures. They need to know about Jesus. And sure, everyone we tell the gospel to likely is not going to believe, but some will, and some will be saved from that fate, and some will know their Lord and Savior, the one who created them, and they will get to enjoy eternity with him forever because people were faithful to share the gospel. People were faithful to pray and expect God to act. So that's what we're doing. It's a little weird. If you are able... Would you get on your knees and maybe turn around and, and against the pew that you're sitting on? If you're able, if you're not, then just stay seated. But I want us to be in, if we're, if, if we're able, to be in a posture of, of just de- complete dependence on God. That we want to bow before Him. That we want to come before Him humbly. Now, I know it's not, not normal. We don't do this typically. But if you're able and you're willing and you'd like to, I'd like you to just kneel down on, that, on the ground that you're sitting and turn around and, and we're going to pray there. And I'm going to lead us in, in some focused prayer. Would you pray to God and ask Him to ignite your stubborn heart at times? Ask Him to ignite it with passion once again for the loss. Ask Him to help us be faithful in proclaiming the gospel. Just ask Him for that now. Ask God to breathe new life into those around us who hear the gospel. Ask God to do what only he can do, to give life. Ask God to do all of this even if it's in a way that we don't expect or can't imagine right now, knowing that he is able to do as he pleases.
take a moment to praise God for sending His Son, for giving us the gospel, for the reality that Jesus went to the cross as a perfect lamb to pay for the price of our sins. Praise Him for that. And then praise Him for saving us, giving us life, allowing us to know Him forever. God, we are so grateful for all of the things that you have done for us, that you continue to do for us. God, we ask that you would help us to burn with passion for the lost so that we would be faithful in taking the gospel to them. God, help us to see where you are working and bringing new life to those around us. And Lord willing, in our proclamation of the gospel, help us to see eyes opened, hearts given. God, help us to pray to you, to come before you wholly dependent on you, asking you to use us and to work in and through us and around us, even when it's in a way that we can't imagine, a way that we didn't expect. Because we know that you hear us, that you act, and that you work all things according to your will, even when it is, at times, unbelievable. And God, we just praise you for Jesus, for our Savior, for the Lamb of God who took away our sins and the sins of the world, those who turn to him in faith, who repent, who follow after him. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us life. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to come and live with sinners in a fallen world, but you did it because you loved us enough to do so. You gave your son not because you had to, but because you desired for us to be with you again and for you to be able to dwell with us again forever. God, we just are so grateful for you and all that you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and get up now. Thank you for indulging me in that. Church, Remember who our God is. He's a God who hears, a God who acts, and a God who can and does do things above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. If you're here this morning and you don't know that God, you don't have to wait any longer. You can meet him today. You can come to faith in him today. All it takes is you coming and and not even coming, you can do this where you're sitting, but we would like to know it if you do, so I would ask you to come forward. If you would just ask God, God, forgive me. God, I believe that Jesus died and then he rose again for me. He'll save you right where you are, but again, we want to celebrate that. Even if you've been here for 50 years and you need to still do that, do it today. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Come meet the God who hears, who acts, and can do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine.
you need a church home, we'd love to have you join us here too. Or if you want to go to that God in prayer, if you want us to lift you up, come forward and I'd love to pray with you. Whatever it is, listen to the Spirit as He leads. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this recording of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope that the biblical truths presented in this podcast will help you in your walk with Jesus. If you do not have a church home, we invite you to join us here at 1045 on Sunday mornings. You can find the church address as well as other information about our church at ibcnewton.org. Whether you are able to join us here in person or not, we hope that you will find a Bible-believing church near you to join as you continue to follow Jesus.